Okay, everyone. Welcome back to Mental Health in the Academy. I'm Carlos Perez. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I currently serve as the chair for the Department of Psychology and Counseling here at Lubbock Christian University. This podcast is done in collaboration with the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Scholarship. That's directed by Dr. Kathy Box. The center offers resources for faculty and staff across campus, not just resources for teaching and scholarship, but we're extending that to mental health resources, hence these podcasts, hence these conversations. Today's conversation is going to be interesting. This might be a two-part conversation. There are several things that I want to say kind of as a preface, and then I want to bring in someone else and have a conversation with them. I want to talk about, and this isn't specifically about mental health, but this is about kind of a precursor or a couple of things that influence or that affect our mental well-being in the academy. I specifically today want to talk about imposter syndrome. If you don't know what that is, uh, where, where have you been? But if you don't know what that is, you're in for a treat. This is such an important conversation. I think it is, especially in the academy. I want to bring in someone else. I want to get someone else's thoughts on this because these are only my thoughts and my opinions about and my experiences about imposter syndrome. This is a thing. This is a real thing that people struggle with. And let me start with this. Let me start with my own definition of imposter syndrome and and then my experiences with it and then maybe a few tips about how to combat or, or ward off imposter syndrome. So I was actually researching this before I started this podcast, before I started this episode. I was researching and looking up some definitions of imposter syndrome and I didn't find like a scholarly definition of imposter syndrome there are several you can look it up on on any website uh, uh, wikipedia there are there are some articles in chronicle of higher education that talk about imposter syndrome but there's not a, a scholarly operational definition of imposter syndrome at least not that i saw so if you find something let me know and i can update this but my definition my personal definition of imposter syndrome and this is pretty widespread. I think this is a pretty accepted definition. That is when you feel like a fake, like you feel like an imposter, like you feel like a phony. That translates to you aren't the right person for the job. You aren't, the, at some point, someone is going to find out that you are not good enough, that you're not qualified enough. That even though you have this degree, even though you have the qualifications and titles, you're a fake and someone is going to find out very soon. It's almost like you are, this also leads to comparison. You're a fake, you're a phony. Someone else is more qualified than you to do the job. Someone else is more experienced, they have better whatever. Therefore, you're the fake and you're the phony. Oh goodness, this is this is such this is such a thing. I I think imposter syndrome lives everywhere, 
not just in the academy. I think I think people everywhere struggle with this, but especially in the academy. There's something about the environment of a university. There's something about the environment of hanging around with a bunch of people with a bunch of doctorates and the fancy research and, and writing. There's something about that environment and tenure, gosh, and tenure. There's something about this environment that really lends itself to feeling like an imposter. And I, I can't pinpoint what it is, but but the, but this environment, and I'm just I'm not just talking about the school that I work for. This is a, the academy at large. There's something about the competition. There's something about the pressure. There's something about everything here that really lends itself to feeling like you're a fake. Let me give you a couple of my experiences. I I, I serve as the chair for my department right now, and even at this point in my career I I still this this goes all the way back to my dissertation let, let me let me get really vulnerable with everyone right now this goes back to my dissertation and the experiences I had in in writing that and and working through that gosh I I still I still get this like anxious wave that comes over me when I get an email from my dissert my dissertation chair because I, I even after I graduated, I still had this fear, this nightmare that that he was going to call me and say something like, "You know what, Carlos, your dissertation actually kind of sucked. So we're going to we're going to take it away from you, and we're going to send you back to your master's degree." Like I still have these ideas, these thoughts, these waves of anxiety that come over me every time I see my dissertation. I see him at, at conferences or wherever. In fact, he and I are writing a paper together, and I just got some edits from him. Uh, just yesterday and I haven't opened it because I don't want to see it uh, and so and so yeah there is this and, and even as a, as a chair of a department I still get these waves of am I making the right decision is someone else more qualified someone else should someone else be doing this I'm young I shouldn't I shouldn't be in this position there those things come with imposter syndrome and and I I wonder how many people really struggle with it I mean, really struggle with it. I'm not even talking about a little bit. I mean, but are are crippled by their experience with imposter syndrome. I mean, crippled. Like it affects your day to day. It affects your your ability to to be productive. So, there are again. I'm going to bring in someone else because these are just my own ideas and my own thoughts. But there are a couple of things that we can do to to combat imposter syndrome. I, I think if if we are in well, before I get to that, let me rewind a little bit. There are two sides of this coin. There are there's a side of the coin where, like I'm like we like we just said, people are crippled by this. One side of that coin is that when imposter syndrome affects your performance, your productivity, your ability to even have confidence in yourself. And to, and to think that everyone is out to get you and they're going to find you out. There's an extreme to this. That is where our mental health comes in. You can. This is a dangerous spot to, to be in. You are stuck in this feedback loop of, I don't belong here. I'm not qualified. There are other people who can, who can do this better than I can. There's this, there's this feedback loop that you get stuck in there. 
And that leads to anxiety, that leads to depression, that leads to issues of self-confidence, self-esteem. If this is you, I wanna, I wanna normalize this. I think everyone in the academy has experienced this at one point. I really, I really think so. There's an extreme, don't get me wrong. I mean, if there's there's a far end to this that isn't very healthy, and, and if that's you, then 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 of course I'm going to promote this almost every 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 episode. It's there's nothing wrong with getting professional help. There's nothing wrong at all. In fact, I know therapists who dedicate their entire practice to seeing people in the academy. This is a thing. This is a thing. And so if that's you, if you're on the extreme end, there's nothing wrong with you, and there's nothing wrong with getting help. I think everyone experiences some form of imposter syndrome. I really think so. But when our mental health starts to become threatened by this, that's when it becomes something more. Other side of that coin, I think there are people who are the exact opposite of this. They think they are absolutely deserving of this job and this position and this title. And they're not an imposter at all. In fact, quite the opposite. Other people should be modeling them. They should be looking up to them. That kind of stuff. So there are two sides of this coin here. So there's there's, there's the extreme imposter, and then there's the opposite. Uh, what's the opposite of an imposter? Uh, I don't. I can't think of that word right now. But there's something about that too that's a, that's interesting to me. A person who has extreme confidence in themselves, and who who for sure knows in their minds that they are the right person for this job, for this position. In fact, in fact, they are overqualified to be doing what they're doing. And, and, and I've, I've seen, gosh, I've seen this. I have seen this. Everything that someone, that everything this person does is beneath them. They're overqualified. They're too good for this. They're too good for that. They should be spending their time. They're overconfident in what they do. They should be work. I think you know what I'm, t- I think you know what I'm talking about. That also is a red flag to me. I don't want to get into some darker things here. This might be a different conversation, but there are issues. There are some potential diagnosable issues that fall on that end of imposter syndrome or the opposite end of imposter syndrome. Someone who thinks they are absolutely deserving of everything that they're doing and overconfident. Uh, I don't don't want to start throwing out diagnoses, but that is something else for me. And I think, I think you know what I'm talking about. And if, and if you can picture people in your mind, great, you have an idea what that looks like. I, I don't want people to be that in any situation, to be overconfident, to be dysfunctionally overconfident. So much so that other people other people, and this is where it gets wrong. This is where this is where something goes wrong. We have someone who is overly confident, wrongfully so, and then we have people on the far end of imposter syndrome who see that and say, "What's wrong with me that I can't be them?" That this is a very this is a very dysfunctional uh, dynamic here, and I really think the academy is good at fostering that dynamic. Again, this is I'm not pointing out any one school, just the academy at large is really good at this. I think other workplaces are good at this too, but specifically in the academy. So, whatever side you fall on, I do think there is a little bit of benefit to having a little bit 
of imposter syndrome. Just a little bit. If we're thinking of scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the very dysfunctional, emotionally unhealthy part of it, if that's 10, then I think we're fine with a 1, 2, maybe even 3. A little bit of imposter syndrome, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of can I do better, can I be doing this differently, that's good. I think we want to have that. We want to be in a place where we're asking ourselves, could I have made that decision differently? Could I have done this better? Can I be more reliable about this? Can I fix this? Can I work on this skill? Can I be a better writer? We want that kind of stuff. If we don't have that, uh, I don't know. There, there's something there for me about that. You know, I was just having a conversation. What's today? Today's Friday. Just yesterday, Thursday, I was in a meeting um, with several of my superiors. Um, and and in this conversation, we were just kind of loosely talking about this imposter syndrome. And one of my one of my superiors, one of my who's someone who's well above me in, in the academic ranks, they came in and and we were saying, oh, we're just talking about imposter syndrome. And this person who's far above me in academic ranks came in and said, oh, great, I'm the expert in this. Let's talk about it. Everyone struggles with imposter syndrome. I'm telling you, it was a joke. I think we're, we're all joking about that. But but it was, for me, it was refreshing to hear one of my superiors well above me say that, even jokingly, it was, it was refreshing for me to, say, to hear that. So we want a little bit of this. I, I really think it's healthy. I, I, I think it could benefit our performance if we invite just a little bit of imposter syndrome. Let me give you a little bit of tips. Let me give you a few tips. I, mean, I have three tips that I want us to kind of think through. If you're on the far end and if you really struggle with imposter syndrome and if this is affecting your mental health, one thing that we can do to combat imposter syndrome, there are three things and they kind of all tie into each other. The first thing we need to think about, this is, I'm tying this to therapy. There, there's, some, there's some good literature in the therapy world that talks about imposter syndrome as a therapist. Young therapist, old therapist. There's some, there's, there's some good literature about imposter syndrome in therapy. So I'm going to tie that to, to the academy here in a second. In the therapy world, in order to combat imposter syndrome, literature says that a good therapist, an effective therapist, only needs one good sentence a session to have some kind of good outcome with their clients. Think about that for a second. One good sentence. That's all a therapist needs. I don't know how you feel about that, especially for those of you who are in therapy or have therapists. A therapist only needs one good sentence to be effective in the, in the therapist's eyes and with their clients. The whole therapy hour or one good sentence. Let me translate that to the academy. I'm thinking of myself. I'm thinking of my day-to-day and I'm thinking about the decisions that I make, the deadlines that I miss, the emails that go unanswered. Gosh, there's lots of them. For everyone who emails me and doesn't get answers, I'm sorry. But if, if I translate that therapy research and literature to the academy i'm thinking about myself here all i need is one good thing a day one good thing that i can take away from the day if i can if i can 
take that, if I can accept it, and if I can say I've done one good thing, that is a that's a step in the right direction. I'm not saying that's going to completely cure or get rid of imposter syndrome, but that's a step in the right direction. If I can take one good thing out of the day for myself, that is that is going in the right. I want to go in that direction instead of focusing on the 20 emails that I didn't answer that day. Gosh, it's really easy for me to do that. If I can take one good thing, that's a good step in the right direction. Number two, we have to be focusing on ourselves. We have to do this for ourselves. I can going back to the email example. If I can, if I sit, if I go home and I stew on the twenty emails that I didn't answer, and I think, oh, I didn't answer my dean, I didn't answer so and so, and I sit there and I stew on that, I can, I can get caught up in that really easily. I'm doing that for someone else, though. I'm doing it for them, and I'm thinking about what I'm doing for them. The more we compare ourselves to other people, the more we do things for other people, the more we work, quote unquote, work, work for other people. That's already taken away from ourselves. And if we do that more and more, it's going to be that much harder to go back to that one good thing a day. Stop. Hear me, hear me well. I'm, I'm talking to myself here. Stop working for other people and stop doing things for other people. The more we focus on just the one good thing a day for ourselves... That's a step in the right direction for imposter syndrome. If we work for other people, if we compare ourselves to other people, goodness, that's, we're, we're, that's, that's, that's the wrong way. I don't want to go that way. We have to focus on ourselves. Yes, our employers are important. The academy is, is important. I've, I've dedicated my entire career to the academy. But we have to focus on ourselves if we're going to combat imposter syndrome and protect our mental health. Tip number three. This one is kind of deep. Hang in there. If we're going to be focusing on ourselves, we have to know ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. And if we're talking about imposter syndrome, we are the source of our syndrome. We, if, if we think we are imposters, we are the source of that. We have to know ourselves. We have to know our own inner critic and we have to know what our critic tells us that leads us to believe that we are imposters let me give you an example gosh this is very vulnerable of, of me to to be sharing with this so so you're welcome when i sit down and write gosh this is where this is where imposter syndrome really really gets me when i sit down and write my inner critic really kicks in this is what my critic tells me this is what my critic tells me that believes that makes me believe i'm an imposter my critic says what the hell do you think you're doing you have no business writing leave this to other people who are better than you and who and who know what they're doing you have no you have no talent you're not even a scholar don't even don't even try that's what my critic that's what my critic tells me and that's censored it says worse things than that. And that's the thing. I just I just published a book with Rutledge that came out last year. Like I've I've done writing, I've done research. But every time I sit down and write, that critic goes off. We have to know this about ourselves. 
we have to know this about ourselves. We have to slow down and be introspective and, and see what our critic tells us and where it comes from. Once we can do that, it's easier to, going. I'm going backwards here, once we do that, once we know how to be introspective and know what our critic says, we can start to focus on ourselves a little bit easier, which makes it easier to take away that one good thing a day. This is, this is work. This is honest work, but this is a part of the academy. And I, I, and I want to combat mental health. I don't want people to struggle with anxiety and depression because they feel like they're imposters. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for anyone else. This is a big deal. This is such a common thing in the academy. This, these are just my thoughts. This is just me. I want to bring in someone else. I want to get someone else's opinions and, and strategies and ideas of how they combat imposter syndrome. Again, this is just me. But I think this is an important enough conversation that this is going to be two parts. Um, I've talked to several people in the past couple of weeks about this specifically, people who struggle with this. And I don't, I don't, I don't want that. And so I'm kind of putting my list of podcasts on hold because I feel like this is pretty imperative to the academy at large. So I'm going to bring in someone else and I'll put out both of these at one time. So stay tuned. You'll get another one very soon. In the meantime, I hope everyone's semester is winding down well. We're at the end of April, mid-April here, so our semester is winding down. So I hope everyone's doing okay. Stay tuned. There's more to come. Let's be kind to each other. Let's take care of ourselves. And if you have any questions, please feel free to shoot me an email. Okay? Thanks, everyone. I'll talk to you soon.